eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Time Bowling Show on 105.7 FM. The fans, see Sparky Pfeiffer, Dwight Albert from the Spare Time Pro Shop in New Berlin. Good morning, Dwight. Good morning, Sparky. Good morning, and Phil. Over there, Phil Brylo, of course, from the PBA Tour. Extra Frame. How you doing? Pretty good. Looking forward to the start of the ESPN today. Yeah, ESPN broadcasts start today. Looking forward to it as well. And joining us in studio is the commissioner of the PBA, or as I put in the tweet, the boss of the PBA <laughs> tour. He is Tom Clark. What's Hello, up? Hello. Good morning. Great to see you guys again. Yeah, thanks for coming in. Uh, okay, first, uh, before we get to Tom, i got to tell you something. So, last night, uh, I went to uh, took the family. We went to the Milwaukee Wave game uh, last night. And for those of you that don't know, Van McNeil, who uh-huh. used to be a host on, on this show until some things happened, uh, is and is and has been uh, the guy that MC. runs, MCs the yep. Milwaukee Wave games. Yep. Also now is helping out an extra frame for the PBA, right? Helped us out at the World Series. Right. Yeah. Okay. So that's a tie-in for Van McNeil. So I've seen Van do Wave games before, but I'm telling you right now, and I, <laughs> I, he, the, he. And Joe Brown, uh, who's one of the MCs for the Milwaukee Bucks, have got to be two of the better MCs in the country when it comes to doing what they do. I mean, first of all, Van is old. He's old. <laughs> and I, I I swear to God, I don't know how he does it, man. Yeah. I, I really don't. He's going to hurt something or something, man. Yeah. I, I was sitting in my seat going, dude's like as old as me or older than me. I don't know how Standing old he is. Standing on chairs. and Right. I don't know how old he is. But he's, got, he's in his 40s. <laughs> I think he's. I think oh, he might be older than me because I'm 41. Have you been to a wave game, Tom? I've seen him in action. You've seen him? <laughs> yeah. Okay, so this dude last night, it's Harry Potter night. So he's got his Harry Potter glasses on, right? 
He's got his his robe on, his scarf or whatever they wear in Harry Potter. I've never seen a movie, but whatever. He's standing up, jumping down, screaming, yelling, everything else. Okay, so this is normal van stuff. No big deal, mm-hmm. right? So now we get to halftime. Dude, I'm telling you, he's going to get hurt. Somebody <laughs> needs to stop him. So then at halftime, they have like this little dance team comes out, does their thing. Okay, no big deal. Boom, off they go. Then, have you see, I've seen these things where it's like a bubble covers the top half of your body, Mm-mm. and then yeah. your legs are free and you can run yeah. around and you ram into each other, whatever else. Yeah. <laughs> so these people, whatever the company is in Milwaukee, sorry, I don't remember your name, um, they had people out there in these things, and they were kicking a soccer ball and running against each other. Van is not in a bubble. Van is just in Van's clothes, and Van's going to play goalie. And guess what? They decided they wanted to try and take out Van on multiple occasions. Van could have died. He could have died. These guys and girls, I don't know if there were guys and girls in those things or what they were. Dude, they were getting running starts on each other yeah. and just plowing into each other. So Van gets done with that, and the co-MC or whatever, this girl from KLH, I guess, she's looking at Van just shaking her head like, you're going to die. She gets done. She goes over. She's like, yeah, I'm better you than me at this point. Then he's down in the middle of the field and flopping around and stuff during another thing. It is amazing. A, I don't know where he gets the energy at that age. I have no idea, right? Red Bull. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, no, no idea whatsoever. And B, like I said, I thought I pulled two hamstrings watching him run around. Oh, I'll guarantee you that it was more, he took a bigger beating when he bowled in a PBA tour event. <laughs> and she bowled here in Milwaukee. Oh, one for of sure. That. Yeah, we remember <laughs> that. That was a bigger beating. Survival yeah, of the fittest. We did, that on, we did that on the air, that whole journey. And he may right? have taken a bigger beating working about, 15 hours a day on extra frame at the World Series Dude, bowling. he so, sat there and didn't. He just sat there. I mean, I it's know. tiring. I, it's mental. I had, I get that. We had one meeting with him where he was lying flat on his back in uh, in a hotel room. So I think he had a rough time in, in Reno as well. Oh, my God. A little food poisoning on top. Oh, that's right. Food poisoning. Yeah, yeah you told me about yeah. that. So he takes yeah. a beating and keeps on ticking yeah, no matter what. That, I, mean, I just had to say that. That is amazing. He definitely brings energy. Energy and entertainment, and and that's something the PBA needs. We have a really good MC too. He's actually the uh, the MC for the Orlando Magic. Oh, and okay. He comes to all our all our events, Dennis, uh, and he's uh, great. And uh, yeah, big big part of uh, trying to get the fans more involved. And the, obviously, the Wave know it, you know, and they hire the right guy. Well, that and that's <laughs> just it. I mean, you've got the Wave going on. The Bucks are going on at seven thirty. This game was going on at, at six o'clock or whatever, and there was it was an okay crowd, I guess, for the Milwaukee Wave. I haven't been a Wave game in probably like two or three years um but it was a lot of fun man and he keeps you in that game the entire game i mean the music's playing whatever else but it without a good mc that 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 takes away from the product which brings me to tom clark since he wanted to weave in the pba into this conversation (laughs) sorry it's a bowling show it's fine it's fine it's acceptable don't worry about it but so tell me this so when you host your your events whether they be live or whether they be taped, all that stuff that happens pre, during commercials and all of that, how important is that to you as commissioner of the PBA as far as the fan experience for those fans that are there? We always talk about the TV side of things, us at home watching and so Mm -hmm. forth, and that marketing aspect, but the actual live event itself, how much planning and preparation, all that stuff goes into that? It's critical. I mean, we put most of the planning and preparation and investment into the actual shows, the TV shows that you see, to make sure that those fans that are around those two lanes that are in action uh, are engaged from 
start to finish. And at something like the World Series of Bowling, it's even more important because, yeah, we're taping four shows in one day. So people are there all day long and, and they love it, but there's downtimes and, and you try to keep them engaged. I mean, I think one of the things about the PBA is that the traditional fan uh, can tend to think of bowling as a uh, as a golf clap type of sport. And we must all be quiet because there's concentration going on. And then the new fan and the people that you see like at the PBA league in Maine are going wild mm-hmm. the whole time. And it's a lot of fun. And so we're trying to find a happy medium, but it's, it's difficult sometimes to get the fans going and not be afraid that they're going to impact play. You know, it's a tough sport that way. Well, In soccer, Weber. you don't have to worry. Yeah, Pete's going to yell at you. He's going to scare the crap out of you. <laughs> so that's the first problem that we have. I mean, if you're worried, look, he wants silence. He don't want any moving around, any rustling. Shut up. I'm bowling. He's just it's funny zipping. that once he knows, like at the PBA League in Maine, he wants them as loud as they can be. Because he knows it's happening. He the knows problem happening, is, right? is when it's quiet and then there's a random noise, that will disturb oh, yeah. you. Right. Tiger Woods at a, at a PGA event when he was good. I mean, all, all of those things, I, I get it. Now, have you talked to the bowlers of, like, what would you rather have? Would you rather have it quiet or would you rather have it loud? I, I think the almost the 100% would rather have the fans engaged and loud and having a great time. And the problem is, exactly as you say, you say that, but then if the fans aren't, and then all of a sudden they only do it right at a release, now they're only upset because, well, this was bad timing. Right. Yeah. You know, so, but, you know, at one point in the history of the PBA, there was actually a time period where people said, let's get the fans going. And they mandated that the fans be cheering I as that. opposed to what yep. they do in the PBA League in Maine, where it's, it's real, it's organic. But when you tell people that you have to cheer, that becomes like you're watching the Wheel of Fortune or something. You know, and it's like, okay, let's all clap because we have to. That's not real. That's not fun. Yeah. And so it, it's, it's been an ongoing, you know, issue for us. Well, really. The other thing, too, is at least the World Series of Bowling, I've been out there in a couple of years, but back then, I mean, you guys were giving away bowling balls and had all yeah. kinds of stuff going on. And I always found it fun because back then, I haven't been out, uh, out to the, the new digs yet, but back then at South Point, you had people walking in from the casino or whatever else. So then they'd, they'd ask for everybody to take out their USB-C card or whatever else. And I was like, this is going to be a good telltale sign of how many of these people are bowling fans or some of these people just walked in and wanted to rest for a little while. And you'd be, I mean, it was, I don't know, 90%, 95%. All pulled out USB-C cards, tried to win a bowling ball or whatever else. That has to make you guys feel good, too, when you do realize that a lot of these people are bowling fans that are coming in to see this sport versus just people looking to, to rest their butt or something. Well, there's two sides to that too. I mean, it's great that you have hardcore fans that really love with, and that's why they're there. But I don't think that the majority of the audience, maybe at the or the fans at the wave game, are just hardcore oh, no. soccer. They're people that want to have a good time. Most of those people know Ian Bennett. So we need to. That's... We definitely need to reach out to wider audiences of people that just know, hey, this is going to be fun. And I don't know if we're there yet. Like we sh- we need to be. The other thing, too, is obviously with our sport and the demographic of our sport, we still have that major viewer being the baby boomer age that is, I guess, the Boeing fan of old. And in that era, we were all raised to be sitting in the crowd still silent so the pros have no distraction, only clap after a strike. And I I think a lot of the, I guess, uh, fan in the crowd still has that analogy, and now you're trying to change that way of engaging them into uh, the show. 
uh, with a newer crowd. That is it. That, newer kids. That that that's definitely the case. I mean, I remember last year at the Players Championship in Columbus. You know, it was definitely a mixture. You know, it was. Um, you know, actually, the best example is in Maine because when we have that event, the 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 majority of the uh, of the fans are bowlers in the Bopo League at Bayside Bowl in Maine, and they really turned bowling into a fun experience, right. even when they're bowling. So when they get the pros come to town, they're going wild from start to finish. But there's a lot of people that don't bowl at Bayside that actually buy tickets to come to that event, and we kind of have two sections. And there's one section where it's the more old-school fans, mm-hmm. and then right across the lanes at the other side are these wild fans, and you see the difference right there. You have these people that just want to be quiet and respectful, and you have other people that just want to be into it, and they're wearing costumes, and they're yeah, going crazy. And, so yeah. you, you see the the kind of the past, the present, the right. future all at once, and um, uh, and it's tricky because once you go too far one way or the other, right. it, it can actually get in the way of what what's really great about watching bowling, but um, we're reaching a pretty happy medium. I mean, if you watch a show now, you hear music strike songs and music at each player picks a song and they want to play it when they get a strike. And, yep. and you hear, you know, um, you see, is that one dude, um, yeah. where was he from? Iran or something like that a few years ago. And he played like that. There was a camel song Gomez. playing or something. No, 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 no. Andre, Andre Gomez? No, it was not Andre Gomez. He's been <laughs> right. on the tour forever. This dude showed up for like one world series of bowling and made a TV show. I can't think of this. <laughs> I can't think of his name because then we asked him afterwards, like, dude, what was that song? Is that one of Tim Max Baranian players? I can't remember his name though. But they, they had a they had a couple of them out again at the World Series of Bowling this year. But it was a Baranian. Yeah, player. I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and they played they the song, and everybody's like, "What in the world is that?" Or whatever the case may be. And it was pretty funny. But that's but that's it though. I mean, you get kind of get an idea of everybody's personalities yeah. well, to a certain degree based on right. the music they pick. We got some players like uh, Kyle Troop, uh, for yep. example. That he's got an awesome personality. He's one of these guys. You know, last year when he won the doubles. Uh, in Maine, and he pulls his pick out and picks yep, yep. his afro, <laughs> and he's wearing these wild outfits, and we know his dad is Guppy Troop. And what happened to him the day after he won in Maine? He's on ESPN. Right, he's on right. Sports Center. He's getting interviewed. He's becoming yeah. famous. And so it's great to see that he had a great World Series of Bowling. He's on today's show good. Uh, as part of Team USA. That's and, good for the PBA. And he's, he's just an electric performer. And his song, I don't know if I should give it away. I will. But his song is the Humpty Dance. <laughs> and let me tell you, <laughs> when, Dude, he plays the hum- when he plays awesome. the Humpty Dance, and I'll tell you right now, Kyle Troop can can rap the Humpty Dance really? right here, and he should do it in this studio someday, <laughs> that, and you'll love it. That's awesome. Because, uh, yeah, this that's the kind of personality that people will uh, connect with, identify with, want to follow, want to be a fan of, and so we're happy to have guys like that. The problem is, well, it's not really a problem, is, you need more of those personalities, and then you need them to be successful on top of it. So they get out in front of everybody. And that is a problem to a certain degree, I think, with individual sports across the board. And you can say NASCAR is a team sport, but everybody cares about the drivers and the crew chiefs, and it's about the drivers. And that sport is going to have find itself in a lot of trouble here going forward because all of their stars are retiring and they're going away. And now they're going to have to find new personalities, and that's going to be a problem for that sport. And for you guys... Um, you had the rash and Monty and all that other stuff. And now, as we talked about last week on this show, the young guns are coming. And here they come, and oh boy, they're coming in a, in waves uh, at this point. Yeah. And you have got to be just super excited. Now, the personality aspect of it, we'll figure that out as they go and they get more popular and how this whole thing goes. But if I were you, man, I'd just be giggling looking at all this young talent coming. Yeah, it's, you know, I think the way that we, when we talk about it, we say they're 
their bowling balls are extremely exciting. You know, mm-hmm. what they do to the pins is extremely exciting. The fact that they're young and it's a new wave is really exciting. But they really do need to learn the personality side. Right. And it's not, a, again, it's not a forced thing. You can't go to someone uh, and say, look, we need you to be more exciting. You just need to hope that they understand that connecting with an audience is going to actually help them in their performance. When you have the fans <laughs> behind you, and a lot of them are really, you know, sometimes shy or feel almost too much respect for the game and the history of the PBA, and, and they like, and they understand that you have to take your turn. And But you know what? Some, Pete Weber didn't wait his turn. Marshall Holman didn't wait his turn. <laughs> no. They were that way. Yeah. They came out, Flamboyant. and they end up with half the fans hate them, half the fans don't let right. them. But, but they weren't taking their eyes off of them. It's always, Pete Weber has always said the best thing. He's always said, you know, when, I watch, when I'm on – TV bowling. I do not want anyone to turn the channel. Yeah, he sold and that to me. That menta- that attitude, I always hope that every new kid thinks about it that way. And there's one guy I think that's really starting to turn the corner with how he's relating to the crowds when they show up at tournaments, that kind of thing. and that's Jesper Svensson. Jesper's really starting mm-hmm. to loosen up. He was. We had some uh, Facebook Live press conferences during the World Series of Bowling, and Jesper was phenomenal when he was sitting there talking with Kyle Tripper when he was by himself time and those those Facebook live press conferences really let some of the players' personality show this year at the World Series. That was fun to do. Yeah, that's that was a great uh, great thing that we did on uh, Facebook, and, and we'll keep doing that throughout the year and, and continue to let people in on who these guys are. And I think that once that they're more comfortable speaking and knowing that, hey, when I, when I talk, a lot of people listen, that will get them to look up a little bit more when they're bowling, not just look down at their, at their feet. Look up. Just you, I, If you just connect with a few fans – They'll feel an energy that will actually propel them. So, uh, yeah, Jesper's one that you definitely want. He's he's already got all these different parts of his personality that are exciting, from being young to you know he's got the sleeve tattoos. He's from Sweden. He's about six five or whatever height he is. He throws the most powerful strike ball that anyone has ever seen in the history of bowling. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so he's got all the elements, and he's great, you know. So right. and he's can he can repeat. So uh, he's another one that's just wow. Okay, this, now I know Jesper, but I want to, You want to feel his energy, and he did a great job in Maine bowling as part of the team when you know uh, that, that he was on and winning the doubles with Kyle Troop. Maybe Kyle actually helped bring a little bit out of him and. And so I think you'll see him a lot during the World Series, too. All right, we'll take a quick time out. We'll come back and uh, we'll talk about some more of the young guns uh, that are coming up in the PBA Tour that you should pay attention to. And I want to talk about the young versus the old dynamic on the tour right now. That's straight ahead here on the Castle Lane Spare Time Bowling Show on The Fan. Castellate Spare Time Bowling Show here on The Fan. Steve Sparky, Fife, Wade Aubrey, Spare Time Pro Shop in New Berlin. Bill Brylo, Extra Frame, BBA.com. And, of course, the boss, the commissioner, he is Tom Clark. A decade? A decade? <laughs> wow. You've been doing it for a decade? Yeah, unbelievable. Well, let's put it, this is the great way to look at it for me is. So kids that were born, you know, eight, nine years ago, they've only known one PBA commissioner. Yeah, well, Trey Tom Ford is, was at the World Series. He's this six, 17-year-old now, and he's amazing, and you know he's the future of the PBA. And, yeah, that's the way I look at it, too. Like, he grew up with Belmo as his was right. someone that he watched, you know, which was, my first year was his rookie year. I mean, we yep. kind of brought Belmo along. And the, uh, you know, my 
second year, worst year, right in the middle, first or second year, right in there, was the 50th anniversary of the PBA. And it was an awesome night and uh, in Las Vegas, and we remembered, or we, we ran down the top 50 players in the history of the PBA. And this year 60. is the 60th. And, yep. uh, and it's going to be another awesome year, and we're going to have a big uh, celebration in February in Indianapolis at our Hall of Fame dinner. We're going to look at the 60 greatest moments stop, in the history stop. of the PBA. Time, time out. Wait a yeah. second. Yes, sir. <laughs> so for 50, you were in Vegas. Yeah. 60, you picked Indianapolis in the winter. You've got to <laughs> It'll be kidding. Be, no, it's awesome. Woodland Bowl is probably <laughs> – Woodland Bowl is probably – it might be the best bowling center in the country, really. I Over mean, Bayside? I, well, uh, you know, the we're talking about a 70 – Yeah, we're talking okay. about a huge house. It's hosted every major championship in PBA history, the Masters, Goodness. the U.S. Open, the the uh, Tournament of Champions, the the – the players' championship. Every single, every single big tournament has been held there. So having the it's going to be called the 60th uh, anniversary classic. Right. Open for all PBA members to bowl in this big event. It's going to be a live show. The Hall of Fame. We're inducting Chris Barnes, who you know, uh, you know, Deserves. pantheon player yeah. in the history of the PBA, and Ron Moore and Don Mitchell, uh, who was one of the first proprietors to go in to the uh, PBA Hall of Fame, and he he's. Uh, he, He's gone. He's passed, but his family will be there, and he really started the Woodland Bowl tradition. Oh. So everything kind of works out. Per- sure. Indianapolis is really a heart of bowling fans. So no, we're really happy to be in Indianapolis for that for that major event. So yep. yeah, in Indy for position for the last round of match play, of it, they charge like thirty or thirty five bucks to get in, and, and they fill the house pretty well. That's awesome. Oh yeah, it'll I mean, be they, sold. It's yeah, sold it's out. It's a pretty yeah. hot bowling town still. I, I love Indy. Indianapolis because you can park your car and walk all over downtown Indy and get to where you want to go. And when in the in the when it's snowing in wintertime, you can get around downtown Indy inside, walking from building to building, skywalk yeah. to skywalk. You don't have to go outside. At all, which is, and I'm a Colts fan, so that helps too. Um, okay. <laughs> You're going to make a road trip to this one. It's only, what is it, a five-hour drive? Not even. Yeah, Not even five bad. hours. And I think and, I will be going through there next weekend because I think we're going to Louisville next weekend. So. Well, Woodland Bowl, you'd love it, and it's, it's going to be How far away from downtown is it? I want it 15 minutes. Yeah, it's on the yeah. north Oh, so it's not that it's bad this, at all. Yeah. yeah. 70 lanes. Wow. But Yeah. Or maybe more. I don't know. 70, they, they, no, it's 70. 70, yeah. They yeah. put uh, they put a new, uh, like a laser tag at the end. I think they used yeah. to have more. They used to have 80, <laughs> yeah, and then yeah, they, they really. took some of the older lanes out. Yeah. Okay, so let's let's talk a little bit. We'll get more about the 60th anniversary and, and some of that stuff uh, coming up in, in the next half hour of the show. But I want to get back to the, this Young Guns thing uh, that we have. The, the young versus the old, I guess, to a certain degree. How is that going? And from the aspect of, I mean, we brought up Belmonte or whatever else. I mean, you've got obviously some egos on this tour that have been on this tour for a while that's won a lot. They've made a lot of money for themselves. Um, and now you've got these young guns that are kind of coming out of the scene, drawing the headlines, getting on the TV shows. People are wanting to talk to them. H- how is that dynamic working on the tour? Well, I mean, it depends on which part are you talking about. From a competitive standpoint and the the uh, the playing fields and the formats and who is advancing and making it to the finals it's still a mixture you know you saw norm duke make it to the finals at the u.s open right you know you and then you see guys like ej tackett and jesper and this younger group coming through consistently making it to the top and um so i think that they still are able to compete uh you know fairly equally when one or the other is on and they have different types of skills that all can can be shown off at different times of the year, you know, so you really don't know who's going to 
make it to the top. A lot of people talk about, well, you got to have higher revs and higher speed. And generally speaking, you do, and that's more the younger players. But it's been proven time and again that you can have craftiness and experience and, uh, yeah, and figure out a way to keep being competitive. So on the, from a competition standpoint, it, it, it's, it's amazing when you end up with matches that are like, you know, uh, Jesper Svensson versus Norm Duke. I mean, that's fun to watch for any bowling fan. It's the past. It, that doesn't really happen in many sports. So there it's great. I think from a standpoint of the older players um, uh, respecting the younger players, I think that any of them that are still left out there, you know, understand what it takes to make a sport continue and propel and get to the next spot. And they were all young at one time. Sure. So they like to see these young guys and they like to be in awe of them. And they, I think they even look at them sometimes and say, wow, if that guy would just learn how to maybe make spares a little better, you know, right. things that, that, that to them are fundamentals, um, that, that this tour will have a, a, a strong future. So they, they like the idea that there's new great players coming. So it's uh, I think it's uh, can only be positive, you know. Tom, um, a lot of the I'm not out on the tour like you and Phil are every week, so I I don't see the young and up and coming kids. What percentage of them are now only just two handed? How much more two handers do you see rather than just the one handed traditionalist? You see more, but it's still uh, you know there's, there's still a, a minority. I mean, at the World Series, I think I saw more out of the 195 players that entered from you know 25 countries. Um, you know, what, what did you say, Phil? Twenty, maybe twenty-two 20, handers, about twenty uh, to five. Yeah, about 20, twenty-five or so. So that's a that's what ten percent. You know, ten percent of the field. It's almost the same as left-handers in a way. You know, okay. uh, from a percentage standpoint of who's out there, and still, when you look at it, yeah, you have Jesper, uh, you have Belmo, you have Anthony Simonson. Mm-hmm. Those those three, and there are you know Belmo's the the old man in that group right. over thirty. You know Anthony's barely twenty still. You know Jesper's barely twenty three or twenty twenty four. So you still don't have them the two handers dominating or competition through, in yeah. really any way. I mean how many how many two handers made you know shows and at the World Series? You know Kyle Troop's two handed and he ma- he made the big one the World Championship. Um, you know Belmo did well, Jesper did well, but. But uh, a lot of times when people think, well, the two-handers are dominating, well, it's really more like one is dominating. Belmo, mm-hmm. over the last you know, 10 years, has been an awesome, you know, almost transcendent figure in the sport. And he's won you know, uh, eight, uh, you know, as we talk, major championships and 16 titles you know, in those 10 years. And it's done it in this exciting way, in this new way, bowling two-handed. So it makes you think there's more two-handers really than there are. But you see guys coming up. You saw on Team USA, Chris Vai mm-hmm. uh, was a two-hand player that we haven't seen on TV yet, but you will soon. Um, and he's come up through the U.S. ranks with that style. When we were at the Summer Series at AMF Waukesha, you, you took me on the side and you said, watch watch this young kid uh, bowl. And it was EJ Tackett. <laughs> Now, if you were to take me on the side and say, "Dwight, you got to watch this guy bowl," who would you? Yeah, no, that's watch? a great question. We've, I've, that's you know, and EJ was man, I was blown away the first time I saw so him. So was I. Bowl. You and I were <laughs> like, wow. You know, who awe. I was, you know, yeah. who actually, who I was doing that with at the World Series was Yanafan from Thailand. Uh, okay, I, this guy, and he won a PBA title in Thailand this year, and he came to the World Series, and um, he's a one-hand player. Uh, and uh, I just love the natural reaction this guy. He'd be like a, a great curveball pitcher in baseball where you just say, watch this guy's ball. 
it's just got a natural like a Mariano Rivera riser, you know. Right. And this guy's just when he lets it off his hand and you watch the ball go down the lane, you go, it's it's gonna dance. You know, and so he was exciting for me. I want you, Phil. Yeah, he's actually on the show today. Uh, Muhammad Rafiq Ishmael yeah, from he was Malaysia. You just watch this kid, and he's just like a smoother form of, of Ryan Simonelli on the left side mm. of the lane. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Makes I, the pins dance that. and everything. Yeah. And he's good under pressure. He had to bowl in a roll-off with Shota Kawazoa to make the USA versus the World show, and he just got up there and just stepped up and just kept throwing strike after strike, and he just makes the pins dance as well. He's a lot of fun to watch. Another one that I saw was, on, and they put clips all the time on Facebook, was one of the Japanese spinners that shot 300 mm-hmm. uh, at World Series of Bowling. No, that no, was at the World Championship. Yeah, that was at the World Bowling. Yeah. Yeah, the spinners really have never had much success in the PBA. Okay. Um, yeah, I think they had a lot of success. Amazing to watch, Sparky. Really? Well they, they, well, they use a lighter ball, and they come around the ball backwards almost and, and make the, the ball hit the head pin in anywhere, and it's more about pin deflection than it is – power wow. and so they figured out this way but there's certain there's a kind of a limit to what they can bowl so okay. when it, when the when the lane conditions are extremely difficult they're like impervious to lane conditions these guys so when they're really difficult and everybody else is only averaging 200 right they're gonna win but if every but if the shot's more normal you know yeah. or even even from pba standards you know 220 average let's say then they really can't compete because they're always in that 210, you know. Right. <laughs> That's crazy. I've never heard of that. Yeah, you have to watch that on YouTube or something. Yeah. All right, right, coming up next, we'll continue our conversation with the boss of the PBA, the commissioner <laughs> for a decade. He is Tom Clark <laughs> joining us here on The Fan. And uh, coming up next, we're going to talk about that USA versus World, that international feel to the PBA Tour. Uh, now that's working out. We'll talk about that straight ahead. Welcome in, Castle Lane, Spare Time Bowling Show here on The Fans. You Sparky Fiber, Dwight Albert, Spare Time Pro Shop in New Berlin. Phil Brilo, Extra Fame, PBA.com. The boss for a decade now. Did you have more hair when you started? <laughs> yeah, you know, I think I, I said that's enough about a year in. Yeah. yeah. I remember walking into the down the into a hotel lobby after I finally decided it's coming off. And uh, the first person I saw was Nelson Burton Jr., actually. <laughs> and I remember he didn't know who I was. <laughs> you know, it, it took a minute for people to, you know, it was wild. For a while, like, the first year that, I, that, that uh, I, I could walk down a bowling concourse and people just didn't even look at me, you know, because they weren't used to it. Now, you know, now they're used to it. That's now I'm guy. the bald guy. Now, now when I, like, Bayside Bowl, that was great. The one year I ordered, uh, you know, a sandwich or something and looked at my little tag and, and I was, and the, you know how they try to find you to bring your right. order to, and it was it just said bald guy. <laughs> and I, and I, that's pretty, that's pretty much who I am now. Bald guy, that is awesome. That Commissioner is of the PBA, yes, bald, bald guy. guy, bald guy. I uh, yeah. I, I want to get your your thoughts on this because it, it it's something that other leagues um, go through a little bit. The NHL has been going through it for years, and, and some feel that it works against the NHL. I don't know if it does or not. The NBA definitely has been going through it here as of late, and that is the spike of international players into the sport here in the U.S. And there are some people that are of the belief that if you start getting more international players and stars more than you have U.S. American or stars, that some people will just not tune in anymore because they can't relate, they don't, they can't pronounce people's names, whatever the case may be, and, and they're out. Mm-hmm. Now, for whatever that's worth, I think that's kind of stupid to a certain degree, um, but that's kind of the belief 
for you with the World Series of Bowling, the international flavor has definitely spiked up quite a bit under your reign, obviously, in the last decade, which I think is kudos to you for for doing that. How do you view that that aspect of it? Yeah, I love it, but but I do understand that some people are put off by it, and they feel like, well, these guys are coming over here and either taking our money or taking our attention, or I can't root for them. They didn't grow up in my neck of the woods, and still our biggest fan base is the U.S., so... You know, if they don't, uh, if those people, I still want them to be fans. So if they need the, to feel the, the need to root against them, but they still stay as fans of the PBA, I'm fine with that. You know, but but uh, I would hope that they would understand. Look, the PBA stands for the best bowlers in the world. Period. So I want the best bowlers. I don't care where they're from, who they are, how old they are, what they look like. It doesn't matter. We want the best players, and the game has grown internationally mostly because of the PBA and because of the PBA players going overseas and spreading you know, uh, information about how to get better at the game and, uh, and because of our reach expanding and things like YouTube and Extra Frame and being able to be in front of more people. It's become a smaller world, obviously, because of all of the advancements in technology and and uh, so it, it, I think it's awesome to see and a lot of fun. But I get it, you know, that some people are put off by it. Just watching guys like Tim Mack go overseas now and helping draw the players over to the World Series of Bowling, uh, how important is it for the PBA to get some of these outside things? Like, like Tim Mack, he's not a bowler much anymore, but he's more of a player representative. How important is it to get for the PBA to get other you know people to help them find these young talents, bring them over? Yeah, to- great ambassadors. Uh, Sean Rash, uh, we were we were talking about a little bit. I mean, uh, Sean is a great ambassador. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of players uh, from from the U.S. that have gone over consistently um, make friendships everywhere, and uh, and and they can identify great players. And I think that bowling ball companies are important in that because they want to sign the best players because they want the most exposure and they want the best players throwing their equipment. So they do a lot of recruiting and, and, and looking at people and trying to get them to be part of the PBA. You know, when, when you talk about that, that part of it um, and the ambassador part of it, you know me, my head's always always rolling here trying to figure out different ways to market or, or do whatever the case may be. How do you view your relationship with like high school bowling uh, for instance, because obviously you you view it some because you have the what's the dude's name? I can't remember the guy's name that does the youth tournament for the Gary PBA. Beck. Gary Beck, yeah. So obviously he's been involved uh, for quite mm-hmm. a while, and, and that tie in, and, and they do that. Uh, how do you view that relationship going forward? Especially knowing that a lot of these kids that are coming up are just fresh out of high school that are kind of popping up on the tour now. Yeah, no, it's great. I mean, first of all, I'm too close to it because my son's in ninth grade now, so he's on the J- he's on the uh, nice. Muskego High School JV team. So I was just at a high school event yesterday at Sussex. Uh, How packed was it? It was it was great. It's yeah. great because the parents get involved and uh, the kids are into it, and um, uh, it, it's awesome to see. And, and I walk down, I walk down, and I look up on the monitors, and they have PBA bowling playing. Uh, um, you know, I, I think these kids all. What when I think of those kids and I see Is that high school they players, knew your kid was playing. They know my kid. Well, yeah, most yeah. of the people there know that I'm there, and I'm uh, I'm very biased, and I I'm not afraid to cheer. By the way, good. Yeah. <laughs> I'll good cheer the you. whole time. Good. You know, so I'm yelling out. You know, come on. You know, so. But uh, when I look at the kids, and since I do have a son, I'm really close to it. 
that's that age, and I see how he consumes everything that he does, every sport, everything. It's on his phone for the most part. And then it's even secondarily on his laptop. Right. So that's why we have tried to stay ahead of the curve and get as much content as possible available on phones and on computer, through YouTube, through Extra Frame, uh, and, and be just in these kids' hands. And what we're trying to do is get them in the habit of like, I, I just use my son as an example. He, he's actually a two-hand bowler, so he bowls two-handed. I, before we go, I say, all right, have you watched your videos yet? Because I want him to watch Belmo or Oscu or Anthony Simonson for a half hour before he bowls. Get that, get that through your head that, look, mm-hmm. here's how you post a shot. Here's how you follow through. Here's, how you, how, here, here's your demeanor. You know, here's how, the kind of moves you want to make. And they can learn from the pros better than they can learn from anybody. And in the old days, you know, you couldn't do it. You could watch once a week maybe right. and see maybe a star that you want. And that's why everybody took after just certain people who were on television a lot. But there, but now you can get instruction and information uh, in so many different ways and, and social media. So the kids have a great advantage, and that's why I think they're coming out really better than ever because they, they can learn – they get more information and learn more – younger than ever before saturday afternoons at two o'clock on abc now espn i'm sorry but abc we watched dick weber our family did too right and And then it was followed by by world of sports but that was our saturday afternoon after spending all morning in a bowling alley at junior leagues so we lived and died for saturday afternoon the biggest thing that i see um, real quick with the two-handers as a, as a certified coach, um, and obviously your son being a two-hander too, the, the major difference I see between a Belmo and Oscu is their footwork. Everyone never looks at the yeah. footwork, mm-hmm. but the footwork in, if for the two-handers that are out there, and I just had another two-hander young boy come in, little guy, you mm-hmm. know, and I told him the whole story about Jason Belmonte during the week and the whole deal. Live this dream. Look at, he's number one in the world. He's making a couple hundred thousand dollars a year, you know. I mean, the guy's doing pretty good, but the thing I told his parents is you got to get him to walk faster or almost have that skip step in there. That's for sure. Well, you know, and what's funny is uh, the two-hand, going back to two-hand, is it's still very controversial. And, I mean, I'm standing there yesterday watching, and uh, it actually wasn't my son up, but it was another kid who was a two-hander in this high school league. And I'm standing near another dad. Who doesn't re- I don't know if he really knew. I don't think this dad knew. He watches this kid throw it, and he just says to me, man, that two-hand bowling should be illegal. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. I hear it all the time, and you hear it. I mean, I posted a video of my son bowling, and I had guys on my Facebook page say, that's it's sad and things like that. And I just said to the guy, I didn't say my son's doing it. I didn't say I'm – yeah. I didn't say I kind of make rules for bowling, you know. I said, you know, man, if it was really, really easy, I think everybody would be doing it. Right. You know? No question. It's not. And I said, it's not easy. And, you know, yeah. take it from there. There's advantages to it. There's things that you can do. There's, but to me, if it makes you excited about bowling. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know. But if it was that easy, everybody could bowl like EJ Tackett. And that's right. Like guys that's right. have 600 rev rates yeah. and 25-mile-hour right. ball speed that are 5'11 and 140 pounds. Well, yeah. That's like, uh, yeah, I, you hear so many comparisons about things in in any sport that are just ridiculous. You know, I we, you know, people were talking about the U.S. Open and, and talking about, you know, well, it was it was such a difficult shot. It was too dry. People had to move inside and loft the ball too much. It was all lofting, and the, you know, Belmo throwing backup balls. But, yeah, the it, it was around. the 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 burn squads of this tournament really probably were, were not what the tournament organizers had in mind. So 
this happened, but the, but the example for why you didn't have to do that was Norm Duke. Norm made the show, and he was playing outside, and he was... You can't use Norm Duke as an example. He's a freak of nature. Sure is. And and that's it would be like we were just at the down doing the Chris Paul bowling event last week and it'd be like talking to a six foot person and saying, Look, Chris Paul can play in the NBA. <laughs> you know, he's six foot and right. he made it in the NBA. Yeah. No, he's a freak of nature. Yeah. He is a once in a generation, once in a lifetime. Norm Duke is a is has a talent that is not teachable, you know, and um so it, it, it's just funny how people use different things. When when people complain about two-handers, I always say, all right, if you think that you can't beat them, just come in second to them then. Come in second. Sure. You know, absolutely and, right. And if that's going to be your attitude, because then you watch a tournament play out, and ultimately a two-hander doesn't win the tournament, maybe. You know, <laughs> you go, well, gee, you could have won. You yep, know? no question. Just attitudes sometimes can <laughs> blow your mind. What I say in the shop all the time is when I have a young boy come in and it's growing, that number is growing, is I – this is how I word it. I say to the, him, and I look right down at him. I say to him and his parents, I say, son, you have a gift that I could never do. Take that gift and go forward with it. Mm-hmm. Embrace it. This is our future. That's how I use it in the shop. But how do you coach it? You can't coach it. I, I tell watch him to watch videos. Belmont. Watch right. those videos. I, I, yeah. right. it's, it's about the footwork again and generating the ball speed. This young man had probably a 500 Rev rate and probably threw a 10 miles an hour. Guess what the ball did? I called it coast-to-coast bowling. Yeah. Right. But I'll tell you what, Belmo is also a once-in-a-lifetime. He is an unusual person yes. with his talent. So you can't expect that, well, if I just bowl two-handed, I'll be like Belmo. That's like saying if I bowl one-handed, I'll be just like Pete Weber. I mean, Not right. No, but you use him as an inspiration. You use him right. as a guide. You take ideas and you try to do it, You know, but it's not like – you automatically become better than everyone because you're two-hand bowler. It doesn't happen that no. way. He is the commissioner of the PBA. Tom Clark joins us for one more segment of the Castle Lane Spare Time Bowling Show. We'll talk about the 60th anniversary season coming up next. Castle Lane Spare Time Bowling Show here on The Fan with the commissioner of the PBA Tour, Tom Clark. First TV show comes up today, right, Tom, on ESPN? Yeah, uh, Noon uh, Central Time here, one on the East Coast, and uh, it's uh, it's exciting. What the thing that, that I really loved about this is this is kicks off our World Series of Bowling coverage, and it's the USA, the top five players from the World Series qualifying from the USA made that team, and the top five players, top five international players from qualifying made the international team, right. and it's so it's star studded, and we have ten great players on the show. But the guy that that I uh, can't wait for everybody to watch is Marshall Holman, who's the captain of uh, Team USA. And bowling? <laughs> no, no, he's the cap. He's the he's the but boss. He's, he's the up. manager. He's mic'd up. Oh, that. He's uh, he awesome. is. It's the first time, you know, that bowling audiences will see him in in a competitive mode. <laughs> you know, since what '96, I think right. was his last title, and yeah. that was even after a 10 year absence of being right. on TV a lot. So. He knows how to bring it, and um, oh, so I was just excited to give him really that opportunity to, to get his competitive juices. Who's the captain again. of the other team? Stu Williams, oh, who's not afraid of oh, he's not afraid some, of a microphone. There's some barking yeah. going on between those two. <laughs> That's oh, a, yeah. I love Stu though. So comedy. Then, yeah, I love Stu too. That international team has Belmo and Svensson and Larson and Rafik, who uh, who Phil talked about, and uh, can't wait to see him. Dom Barrett, and then the U.S. team has Kyle Troop and. Um, Tom Smallwood, Ryan Simonelli, who maybe throws the most powerful strike ball. You know, 
you know, at least in the top three or four uh, of, that you've ever seen. And so it, it's it's a good show. Yeah, sounds like a lot of Can't fun. Uh, we talked about this earlier. we only got a few minutes left. But uh, the 60th anniversary uh, season, what can fans expect to see from a TV coverage side of things that maybe well, can't get to Indianapolis? February is our big month. Right. And so it kicks off on Super Bowl Sunday before the Super Bowl comes on with the Chris Paul event. And that's always exciting and a lot of fun. It's just a good celebration of bowling. James Harden. Is uh, bowling oh this year, so you see him. Uh, and then um, the next week, though, starts the the serious run of, of live ESPN shows at one o'clock uh, Eastern time on on uh, on ESPN with the Tournament of Champions first. And the Tournament of Champions is going back to Riviera Lanes in Akron, Ohio, mm-hmm. where it had been for thirty yep. years. So we're really happy and excited to bring that event back to Akron. Then uh, the next week. We go to Indianapolis for the 60th anniversary classic, and that's going to be a really special event. Then the next week, we're live again with the Players' Championship from Columbus, Ohio. So we're in the Midwest, and we are live with major championships, and it's the 60th anniversary, and I think people are going to have a lot of fun with it. Quick question for you, Tim, before we go. Your greatest moment PBA history. Uh, Oh, yeah, my number one. (laughs) You know what? I got to go to Pete Weber and... uh, the U.S. Open. The U.S. Open. The fifth U.S. Yeah. Open, needing a strike to win, strike to claim it, a strike mm-hmm. yep. to claim it, and he yep. got it. And uh, I can't avoid, I can't miss that one. How Don about you? Jo- Don Johnson, 299 yeah, game. Awesome, Gives yeah. me chills every time I watch it. You know, when you start talking about um, 60 years and defining moments and players and all of that stuff, and the Bucks um, the other night uh, at the game, I think it was Friday night, were doing their top five power forwards because this is their 50th year. Mm-hmm. And it was awful. Um, <laughs> Marcus Johnson was one, Vin Baker two, and then right. it just fell off the side. Uh, and they have Giannis as a power forward at five. But I mean, my God, Ursan Ilyasova's on the list as top five. <laughs> it was it was horrible. It just remember, made you remember how bad it was to be a Bucks fan your whole life. <laughs> yes. Um, but when you start putting together lists and stuff like that, are you going to have a, a top? 60 players list or anything crazy yeah, well, like we're that? We're going to have top 60 mo- greatest moments. And but not players. Not players. We did the 50 players for the 50th. 50th this right. is the 60 greatest moments. moments. And so you remember things like Mark Roth, 710. And, yes. Right. And even yeah. bigger and, and even uh, more, you know, all-encompassing accomplishments that sort of became moments, like Earl Anthony being the yeah. first to go over a million dollars or things sure. like that. Yep. But we have a, an awesome panel, a, a committee that has been voting for a, a couple months, and we've been narrowing things down, and there's been plenty of arguments, and this should be on the list, and this shouldn't. and this, you know. So uh, I know at the end... Not everyone will be happy, you know, with well, how it ends up. And I don't even I don't even know how it ended up yet. We didn't we didn't finish yet. It's still at the committee stage, and we're just narrowed it down. Everybody's ranking them now, but uh, it, it, we're going to unveil it through every show. So you'll see those specials every show. That's and awesome. It'll be awesome. He is the commissioner of the PBA Tour, Tom Clark. Thanks so much for coming in, man. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Go bowling, everybody. And that's our new big umbrella sponsor, Sparky. Be proud. Go bowling. The bowling proprietors are behind the PBA in a big way this year. Go bowling. Tom, I'm just proud anytime we get a sponsor. That's right. At this point. At Clark PBA. At Clark PBA (laughs) uh, is the Twitter handle of Tom Clark. And, uh, yeah, you can talk to him about how it feels to be a commissioner for 10 years. Losing hair, two-handed bowling. Bald guy. Whatever you want. I mean, he's there for you. He is there for you. And when Marquette beats Syracuse, you can give him crap on that, too. Uh, Enjoy the rest of your night, everybody, or day. Fantasy Football Weekly coming up next, presented to you by Dave and Busters with Tim and Rami. Bye-bye.